When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 103, and we are recording on October 24th. I'm Jen Northington, and I'm here with Amanda Nelson, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. What's up? I am a disaster today. Like, I am just a complete disaster. Like, the fact that I have put pants on is very impressive to me. I My hair is... I, I don't... That is impressive. Pants are always impressive. Thank you. Listen. I forgot it's to a- feed my children this morning. Like, they no. came up to me before school and were like, Mom, are, are we going to have breakfast? And I was like, I just... just I'm fired. Like, I'm fired. Oh. <laughs> oh. I did feed them before they left. Nobody calls social services. I'm just saying. I, yeah, I was going to say, pat, pat. It's going to be okay. One of those days. Right. Anyway, what are you reading, Jen? <laughs> I finished... On the train last night, which is the worst when you finish a book on the train and you still have like 20 minutes to go. Um, Also, it's a really incredible book. The Future Home of the Living God by Louise Erdrich, our our beloved Louise. Um, This book is bananas. It is really intense and if you are ever like if you are considering getting pregnant or are pregnant do not read it um it takes place in a very near future in the u.s where like everything is going to hell in a handbasket and on top of that women are giving birth to babies who appear to be like genetic throwbacks to pre-homo sapiens yeah. So like, <laughs> so like, uh-huh. not the same brain structure or like physical. It's very strange, and there's all kinds of like crackpot theories going around about what's happening. And there's like a Christian, you know, like extremist Christian element taking over in like kidnapping pregnant women and putting them in like birthing centers and everything is bananas um and it follows a young woman who is native american but was raised by white adoptive parents and she is pregnant and she's like trying to she hunts down her bio parents to figure out like what genetic like things on their side the baby might be predisposed to even like separate from this other craziness that's going on um and I I don't even like I I'm still trying to figure out how to talk about this book I just finished it yesterday it's 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 really it's a lot of things is what it sounds like it (laughs) it's a lot of things it's very good but it's like it's hard and also it's intense and also you're like well great like humanity the worst Um, (laughs) it's really something I yeah I'm gonna need more time to process it before I can speak intelligently about it but I'm sure that I will be recommending it to people on here in the future uh what are you reading um I'm reading SPQR by Mary Beard which is her fairly recent I think history of ancient Rome or of Rome not just of Rome um and yeah, I haven't read a really good history book in a minute, and I was starting to get an itch, and this has been on my TBR for forever. Um, I keep seeing it everywhere and seeing her everywhere. Like, she's mm-hmm. she was in, was it a documentary? I honestly, it might have just been the news. I don't remember. I remember seeing her on TV talking about 
being a female historian and how armchair Twitter dudes, like armchair historians <laughs> on Twitter, are constantly arguing with her. And like it's a thing that her male colleagues never have to deal with. And they're always wrong. Like, of course they are. They're arguing <laughs> with one of like the most eminent historians of the ancient world and is like living. Um, but she's like her her TV and Twitter personality um, are really great. And so I went ahead and picked it up. And is it Rome the Empire or Rome the City? The Empire. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but it, it starts with Cicero. So it's like it, the book opens in in the middle of what's that? Like a meteor <laughs> race, I guess. Um, but she does go back to the, like, the, the founding of the city and then onward. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's so far so good. Uh, nice. I just started it. So I don't have much of an opinion so far other than <laughs> to say she's great on Twitter. Like that's not a thing. Um, anyway, so yeah, that's what I'm reading. Cool. Well, now we will talk about your book requests because this is, as I mentioned before, a reading recommendation show, which means that you send us questions about what you should read next and we answer them. It can be what should your book group pick. It can be what should you give as a gift to your graduating niece or nephew. It can be books for reluctant readers that you know. It can be a book that left a hole in your heart and you need something similar. We will do our best to find you some comparable books uh, and you can send us the questions at getbooked at bookriot.com or leave them in the form that's on the bottom of the show notes on the site. Uh, if you have a time-sensitive question and you need the response by a certain date, please put that in the subject line of the email or the very first line of the form. We do our best to get to those in time. If it's coming up real quick and we don't think we'll get to it, on air, I might email you a response. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. Or if you've asked a question that we have answered a lot, basically anybody traveling to Prague, like <laughs> or Japan, we're gonna we're gonna email you when they have a response to that because we've had a lot of those. Um, but yeah, so keep an eye out for email. Uh, one more a quick note before we dive into our book recommendations and questions is that we are doing a giant giveaway. Amanda, do you want to tell them about the giveaway? Sure. Uh, we're running a $500 uh, gift card giveaway to the bookstore of your choice on the site. It's running until November 26th. So you enter. If you win, we will go to whatever bookstore you designate, get you a $500 gift card, and send it to you. So it can be Amazon, Barnes & Noble, The Strand, your local indie owned by your neighbor, whatever. Whatever bookstore is close to your heart. Um, it is open internationally, so we really encourage everybody to enter. Um, and like I said, you have until the 26th of November. So it's running for a while, but you know. Get it in quick. <laughs> We're going to pull the giveaway winner randomly. And to enter, just go to bookriot.com slash bookstore giveaway and um, to fill out the form. And that's it. Super simple. All right. Awesome. I, I'm like, I'm so sad. I can't enter that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what I could do with $500 to my local bookstore. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to read our first question and then tell you about our first sponsor and away we will go. Our first question is from Caitlin, who says, This year I've been really interested in seasonal reading. I find this super easy during Halloween, but as I prep my TBR pile for November and December, I'm coming up short. I typically read YA, and I'm looking for holiday reads that are inclusive of traditions and people. It seems that the options are fairly small in this regard, so I'd be happy with books that just set a cozy-slash-winter scene but also feature diverse characters. This was an interesting one. Okay, mm -hmm. but before we dive into that, our very first sponsor is Libby, uh, sponsored by Overdrive, and I use this app every day, so I'm very happy to tell you about it. It is the one-tap library app that you have been looking for. 
So it gives you access, 24-7 access to ebooks and digital audiobooks through your local library. So you download the free app, you put in your library card number, and voila, you are connected to thousands of books on your smartphone or tablet. Um, so you can visit meet.libbyapp.com for more information. And you can also sign up. You should definitely also sign up for a library card if you haven't already, because the library is amazing. I don't know how I would do this show, honestly, without the Libby app, because I can only get to my actual local branch like once a week at most. Um, but it's really super convenient at 10 o'clock at night when I'm like, oh, right, I need to find X book for Get Booked. And I log into the app and do my search and download the book and voila, like everything is right there. You can also put holds uh, on ebooks and audiobooks through the app. Um, I have multiple libraries signed in because I have moved around a lot and kept my library cards from previous branches. Shh, don't tell. Uh, so <laughs> if one library doesn't have it, I check the other one. So if you have more than one library card, you can use them all in the app. It's pretty sweet. Uh, so again, that's meet.libbyapp.com. And there will be a link in the show notes. And thank you so much to Libby and Overdrive for sponsoring the show. All right, Amanda, I've been talking forever. What is your for your pick for this holiday inclusive question? Okay, I went with Dreidels on the Brain by Joel Ben Izzy, which um, is about a young boy who's, I think, about 12. Um, he lives in L.A., and he is the only Jewish kid at his school. He's 12 years old, um, and he's an amateur magician. He's, like, very... Um, Quirky, I guess, is the word that I'm looking for. Like, you know, a kid with a, who wants a collapsible top hat for Hanukkah so that he can better improve his his magic act like that. Uh, that is who this kid is. Um, so I picked this book because I wanted, since you're asking for diverse holiday reads, I wanted something um, about Hanukkah. So that's what I went with. And he's, he's an interesting kid for a lot of reasons, um, not just because he's the only Jewish kid at his school, but also because his parents are little older and not in good health. Um, his dad's health is continuing to fail. Um, and this kid is, uh, try Joel, his name is Joel. He's trying to make a lot of things happen this Hanukkah. Like he's, he's making wishes almost or like praying for miracles this holiday season. He, aside from just the collapsible top hat, he also like wants his parents health to get better. He's got a, his bat mitzvah coming up that he like needs assistance doing well at um his brother he needs help with his relationship with his brother who's like really good in school and constantly studying and doesn't really associate with him um and so it, it oh and it takes place in the 70s i feel like that, that's like the most important thing uh that i just neglected to mention so a 12 year old amateur magician hanukkah la the 70s there you go. I feel like that's all I really need to say. It's very um, like heartwarming, uh, includes a lot of history of Jewish culture, um, and I, I don't know. It like strides the line between middle grade and YA, so it might read a little bit young for you, but it's still pretty fun um, and a good selection for holidays that aren't just, you know, like white people at a Christmas tree. So that's what I went with. So it's Dreidels on the Brain by Joel Ben Izzy. I... This was hard. I, I went to the contributors. I, like, Googled uh, for a million hours. It was really hard, even just to find, like, a winter one. Um, so publishing slash writers, like, maybe 
think about that. Um, but so I did find the collection My True Love Gave to Me, 12 Holiday Stories. It's edited by Stephanie Perkins, and it includes stories by Matt De La Pena and Jenny Han, um, both of whom are amazing and are writers of color. Um, it's also got Kelly Link, David Levithan, like lots of other people that you know and love. And it's got stories more than just about Christmas, like there's Hanukkah and Winter Solstice and New Year's. So it's not just like your traditional Christmas um collection. And I haven't read all of the stories in it, but I did read Matt and Jenny and Kelly's because obviously those were the ones I was going to read first. Um, and they're great. Like I, Matt De La Pena's was about, um, I think it was actually a repeat character from Mexican White Boy, but I wasn't like 100% positive and I didn't have time to go look it up. But it's about a guy who is from like, you know, a very Mexican town in California and he's he's going to NYU on scholarship and he's house sitting for the holidays and they he he didn't get paid ahead of time for the house sitting and he has no money for food. So he like literally has no food. He's he's but he has shelter. So he's just like, "Well, I guess I just am not going to eat for 3 days." Um and then he the upstairs neighbor who is a girl about his age comes down because she's having issues with plumbing and of course like, you know, things unfold from there. But um as you might guess, it's also it's about class as well as like a little bit of romance, which is really great cuz you don't often see that. Um, and Kelly Lynx was like supernatural, which of course it was, but it was really enjoyable. Um, Jenny Hans was great. Like it's the ones I read, I really loved. So, and I don't read a lot of holiday collections to be perfectly honest. So I think that you'll find some good stuff in there. So that's my true love gave to me, uh, edited by Stephanie Perkins. Okay. Question two is from Jean who says my group geek girls is doing an all eighties theme in the month of November. So we're hoping to pick a sci-fi or fantasy book from the eighties for the book club. Any suggestions? Only stipulation is that it must be available on audio. Okay. I went with Alana by Tamara Pierce, which is the first book in the song of the lioness series, which is amazing. I feel like I don't even really need to explain this to you guys, but, um, in case you have not heard of it, it was first published in 1983. Uh, so it fits perfectly in the time period that you're looking for, but it is like high fantasy. So it's medievalish. This is not like fantasy that takes place in the eighties. Um, so for, for those of you who have somehow never heard of, uh, song of the lioness, Alana of Trabond is a young, like lady, her brother, uh, her and her brother are twins. And they, when the book opens are pretty young. I think they're like eight or 10. They're kids, young kids. Um, Tom is her brother. Tom really wants to learn how to be a magician. And Alana is much more physical and really wants to learn how to be a knight. Like her biggest dream is to be a knight. So they switch places. Tom goes off to a convent to like learn how to magic. And Alana pretends to be a boy and goes uh, to the capital, the castle in the capital where, you know, the king lives with his family uh, to train to be a page, a knight's page. Um, And so the book, the first book follows her training essentially. um, And how she has to not just hide the fact that she's a girl, but also be better than everyone. Like she has to work twice as hard as everybody else um, because she's hiding, she's small, she's not as strong as the or as big as the other boys. Um, and she has to do all that while also like studying. Like there's a big academic component to it also. Um, so there's like there's swords uh, and magic and sorcery and adventure. She befriends like the Prince of Thieves, basically, in this city where she lives, who's one of my favorite characters in fantasy. It's just a lot of fun. And I think it would be a really good um, 
book club read because it does introduce, especially if your book club is not terribly familiar with a lot of the common tropes of fantasy. I think it like introduces those sort of things um, to new fantasy readers. And since it's YA, it's like not a million pages. You know, this is not Game of Thrones. So um, yeah, I think that would be a good one. So that's Alana, The First Adventure uh, by Tamara Pierce. Yeah, that book is super short. It's very quick, super fun. The whole series I uh, just reread actually because the insiders were doing a big Tortal reread. Um, so okay, uh, I picked because of course I did. Uh, <laughs> Dawn by Octavia Butler. Like, do you need an excuse to read Octavia Butler? Here you go. Like, <laughs> it was written in the eighties. Done. Like, why? Of course you should read Octavia Butler. Um, Dawn is the first book in the Xenogenesis series, which is her meditation on um, humanity and aliens. Uh, it is about a woman named Lilith who is on Earth when the like there's a giant, you know, nuclear battle basically um her husband and son are dead and she wakes up hundreds of years later on an alien spacecraft because these aliens arrived sort of just in time to save a few like human survivors from extinction and they have kept the survivors asleep as they tried to learn about earth like what it can do what its history was like what it what can happen going forward now that humanity has like you know bombed the hell out of it um and so they've woken up the humans and they're like all right cool so we're gonna genetically merge with you and she's like what <laughs> pause what <laughs> pause so so yeah so it's about a woman who is like all right i guess i am is it my job to save humanity by merging with aliens like what does that mean um and so yeah what can the future of humanity look like? Uh, Octavia Butler is amazing. I mean, you don't need me to tell you, but I'm telling you anyway. So that is Dawn, uh, which is the first book in the Xenogenesis series, and it was first published in 1987. There have been like a million editions, but that was the first one. Okay, our next question is from Olivia, who says, I just booked my dream trip to Stockholm and Copenhagen. I really want to read something set in these cities, but everything seems to be a crime thriller, great but not always, or about 120 years old and written by serious old men. Can you please recommend something set in one of these cities that doesn't fall into one of those two camps? For reference, some of my favorites are Middlesex by Jeffrey Eugenides, Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Saints for All Occasions by J. Courtney Sullivan, and The Great Gatsby. So if you know of any fun Scandinavian family sagas, please help. Um, what do you got, Amanda? Okay, um, my pick is nothing like any of the things you just named <laughs> that you like, and I apologize for that. Uh, but it is historical fiction, and it takes place mostly in Copenhagen, and it is Number of the Stars by Lewis Lowry. I'm apparently on like a YA thing today, but that's that's what's happening. Um, so this is like YA, it might even be considered a children's book. It probably is considered a children's book, but it's about two kids, um, Anne-Marie and Ellen, who live in Copenhagen in the 1940s. And so um, this is based around an actual event in the history of Denmark, wherein the Nazis came and they were occupying and um, the Danish resistance in the police and, you know, the citizens learned that um, in 1943, there was a Nazi plan to round up all the Jewish the Jewish population of Denmark and ship them off, basically, to concentration camps. So this, like, massive underground resistance movement um, smuggled, basically smuggled the, like, entire Danish population of Jewish citizens 
out of the country. Uh, and this is a book about that, like a historical imagining of that event told through the, the eyes of two little girls. Um, so Anne-Marie and her family, the Johansons, are part of this underground resistance movement protecting Jewish families from the Nazis who are now in the country. And her best friend, Ellen Rosen, moves in with them uh, and, and like kind of pretends to be part of their family as part of um, you know their efforts to save her life. And then they realize that this big basically purge is coming. Um, and so the book follows the two girls and the family as they try to get the Rosens out and, and save them. So it takes place a lot in Copenhagen and it's a lot um, about how the daily life for people in that city changed. It, you know, like going to school, how that would change for a Jewish girl living in now Nazi occupied Denmark and like food shortages. And um, there are a lot of interactions on the streets uh, with the soldiers, with Nazi soldiers told from the perspectives of these two little girls. And it's, it's so interesting to read a book about something so horrific through the eyes of a kid. Cause like they get it. And then they also of course don't get it. And so the way that Lois Lowry, who we, as we all know is a super genius um, writes about, these events is just, it's just fascinating. So, uh, so it's not Copenhagen now, but it's still about, you know, that city and, and, uh, is not told from the point of view of an old dead guy. So that's a bonus. Um, so that's the number of the stars by Lois Lowry. All right. Mine is on spec because I couldn't get it from the library in town, but I really, I really want to read this book. And I think it does encapsulate a lot of what you're looking for. It's My Dirty Little Book of Stolen Time by Liz Jensen, which follows a woman named Charlotte, who is a prostitute in 1890s Copenhagen, uh, supporting herself and a woman who might be her mother. We're not sure. Um, and she finds a job opportunity as a cleaning lady for a well widow but the widow lives in this like giant old mansion maybe the basement is haunted there are ghosts people come in to the house and never return um and it turns out that the explanation for this is that the basement has a time machine in it so <laughs> charlotte and um the the older woman who may or may not be her mother find themselves on an adventure in time um so i this is certainly not old dudes. <laughs> um, and it is a book that has some wackiness and uh, in baked into it, which sounds like you are open to. Um, and yeah, I just like, I really want to read this book and I thought it might be an interesting addition to your reading list. So that is my dirty little book of stolen time by Liz Jensen. Okay, question four is from Francis, who says, I'm a non-binary person and can never find books featuring characters that share that aspect of my identity. I'm not interested in reading books about being non-binary, but I would like to read about non-binary characters doing other stuff. I'm open to most genres, no horror or gory crime stuff, please. I'm also not big on biography or memoir, though I don't seem to mind it when it's in graphic novel form. Um, I also can't get through really dense, long books. Okay, so I picked Lizard Radio by Pat Schmatz, which is a young adult novel, of course, because this is what I'm doing now, um, a young adult novel, like, weird dystopia, uh, maybe post, no, it's not post-apocalyptic, it's just, it's just dystopia, and this book is essentially, like, Pat's love letter to gender non-conforming teenagers. It's so odd and cool and just weird. So the main character is 15, a 15-year-old named Cavalli, um, she was Born a girl, dresses like a boy, not gender conforming at all, doesn't really um, like ascribe to either gender really. Um, when she was a baby, they uh, her stepmother, foster mother, I guess is what 
um, you would call her, uh, Sheila, who's like this very odd artist, found her on her um, front stoop, like wrapped in a t-shirt with a picture of a lizard on the front. And so she like calls her lizard. That's her nickname for her. Um, But also she grows up with this kind of kooky artist person. And then she's sent off to crop camp, which is in this world, um, it's run by a totalitarian government. And teenagers are sent off to various um, camps or essentially kind of boot camps where they learn how to do the tasks that the government wants them to do. Crop crop camp is for agricultural workers. So Cavalli is going to be an agricultural laborer. And the camp is designed um, to keep the kids on a very rigid schedule, uh, indoctrinate them with like, you know, the government propaganda um, stuff. And then it's also designed to encourage heterosexual relationships there's not you're like really not supposed to spend any time with people of your same sex or gender um and that causes a lot of issues in the book um but then there's like weird disappearances the camp director turns out to be maybe not exactly who they think the camp director is there's also like this drug that the kids are supposed to take that they get addicted to they're like dosed there's a lot happening oh oh and on top of it Cavalli may or may not like have some psychic powers or be attuned to what she calls it lizard radio but um it's like how she communicates with her animal self it's just so odd but like in reality all of this stuff is going on, but it's about a kid trying to figure out who she is, who she wants to be, and she does use she pronouns, I'm pretty sure, uh, in the book. And then also, like, battle this big evil government that's trying to make her become what they want her to be. Um, so there's, it's not necessarily, like, about the process or the experience of being a teenager who realizes that you're gender nonconforming, but it's about being that kid and then, like, fighting for your right to be that person without having people, you know, well, put you in a camp, basically, in the book. But, you know, that's, as with a lot of dystopian YA, it is a metaphor for (laughs) how we treat people in our current Western civilization. Um, Anyway, so that's Lizard Radio by Pat Schmutz, which is, like, maybe the weirdest book ever, but it's awesome. Nice. Mm -hmm. I picked a romance. Uh, (laughs) It is Uncovering Ray by Edie Danford, and the main character, Ray, is non-binary, and... What I loved about this book, which, by the way, it was interesting. I was reading reviews because I I am not a non-binary person and I wanted to make sure the representation was good. And the reviews I found, basically people were like either they hated Ray or they loved Ray, um, which I thought was interesting. But nobody called out the representation specifically. So hopefully that means it's good. Um, So... What I love about this book is that Ray is struggling with depression and, like, not sure where to go with their life. Um, They have dropped out of college, working at a diner, like, just kind of trying to get through one day at a time, as you do when you are depressed. And, And it's not about sort of gender representation. It's just about, like, being, you know, in your late teens, early 20s and not knowing what it is that you are supposed to do with yourself. Like, what are you good at? What are you, what are you here to do? Like, that is a huge, difficult question. Um, so Ray is struggling with that. And then a bunch of frat guys come into the diner where they work and are like, and are being jerks. And um, one of them, whose name is Wyatt, like calls them into line, apologizes to Ray and come, keeps coming back to the diner to talk to Ray. And so there's this romance element. Um, there are like Ray does experience harassment and actually like borderline hate crime. Um, not to their person, but to their stuff, um, at a certain point. So it, there, it is part of the book that people are bad at dealing with this and can turn to ugly, awful humans. Um, 
when confronted with things they don't understand. But the real heart of the issue is Ray trying to figure out, like, how to be a person that they want to be. Like, what kind of person do they want to be? Not about gender, but just, like, moving forward in the world. Like, do they need a degree? Do they get a different kind of job? How do they interact with family? Like, all of these questions. Um, and I just really loved it. I, I found it very compelling. I liked Ray. Like, I was on board. Um, so, yeah. So And it's the first in a series, um, which seems to be pretty diverse in terms of the main characters. So that's Uncovering Ray by Edie Danford. Okay, before we go on, I'm going to tell us about our second sponsor. Well, not tell us, tell you. I don't need to tell myself about it because I already know who it is. And that is Penguin Random House Audio. And we're focusing specifically today on their sci-fi and fantasy selection. So as I'm sure many of you know, listening to an audiobook can be so instrumental in like getting you in the headspace where you can you know transport your mind to a galaxy far, far away. Um, they're so immersive, uh, and they can... Um, I found audiobooks really helpful in getting through really, really heavy science fiction or fantasy um, books because, like, having somebody tell it to me, I don't know, for some reason it's, like, easier for me to envision that world than it is if I'm reading it on the page. Um, so, of course, audiobooks are really helpful with that, and Penguin Random House Audio has a lot of um, books on offer to help you, you know, go, time travel or lead you to an ancient land full of magic or whatever. They have world lore, monstrous creatures, uh, a plague of nights, William Shakespeare's The Force Doth Awaken, which is excellent and hilarious and funny, and we have a lot of experience with that book. Um, the Bear and the Nightingale, which I've heard really great things about. Um, so the worlds created in science fiction and fantasy come to vivid life with audiobooks uh, from Penguin Random House Audio. So you can go check out what they've got to offer you. Go to tryaudiobooks.com slash sci-fi audio. Uh, and it is one of the most popular genres for audiobooks in general, and there's bound to be something there that you uh, will find enjoyable. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is hilarious, and on audio would probably be amazing. And I don't know if I'd be able to get through that without like laughing. <laughs> that might be impossible. Um, Ready Player One, which many of you have heard of, and which I did listen to on audio, and it's great um, that way. So go check it out. Tryaudiobooks.com slash sci-fi audio. And thank you for sponsoring the show. All right. Our next question is from Heidi, who says, after the garbage fire that was the 2016 election, I'm feeling the need to better inform myself on some key issues. One that I am particularly interested in is immigration. I have read the book of Unknown Americans and Americana, both of which were life-changing reads. I would like to read some nonfiction on this subject, especially as it relates to American immigration policies. I picked for you In the Country We Love by Diane Guerrero, uh, co-authored with Michelle Burford. This is, so Diane Guerrero is an actress from Orange is the New Black and Jane the Virgin. She's amazing. Um, and she was 14 years old when she came home to find her like whole family gone and deported. Uh, she herself was born in the United States, but her parents and her older brother were illegal immigrants. And she literally like came home to find them all gone. Nobody from child services contacted her. Either they didn't know about her or they just like didn't care. Um, so she ended up sort of bouncing around uh, friends' families in the U.S. to stay and finish her high school and then college. Um, and what I love about this book is that it really, to me, shows the... It's not just about, like, how crazy that experience is, which it is. Like, that's horrifying um, and happens to so many people. Um, like, that is a real thing that happens regularly. ICE does raids, like, out of nowhere. People get taken away and their families potentially never hear from them again. 
she does end up visiting her parents in detention and then being in touch with them. Um, they were deported back to Colombia. But sh- it also has like a really long-term effect on her and her parents' lives. Her parents end up getting separated. She herself struggles with uh, with cutting and depression and like suicidal thoughts. Like she, there's a lot of impact beyond just the fact of being removed from your family. And I think she really shows in this memoir what the long-term emotional impact of policies like the ones we have can do to people and families, like on an individual basis. Um, She also is, like, it's a really serious book, but she's also so funny. Like, her voice really comes through. Uh, So there are moments of lightness. She talks about how she, like, got started in her acting career without having, you know, a family support system. Um, And you just can't help but root for her and be like, all right, so what are we doing? Like, what are we, what are we doing? Um, so I really cannot recommend this book highly enough. I believe, does she audio, she narrate the audiobook? I think she might. Um, so you might check out the audiobook as well, but that is In the Country We Love, My Family Divided by Diane Guerrero. Okay. I picked Undocumented, How Immigration Became Illegal by Aviva Tomsky, um, which came out in 2014. And this is a look at the historical context of the legality and illegality of immigration in the U.S. Uh, so she talks about how Amer- our attitudes towards immigration has always been racialized, always, always. And our interference, especially in Mexico and South America, how our interference uh, in the military goings-on in those countries and in their economic systems and in their elections um, have created immigration crises. And then we have used those... Um, and created laws since, like, the early 20th century um, to take advantage of these crises that we ourselves created as a country uh, in order to be able to exploit um, people's immigration status for cheap labor. So the the idea here is that if you look at the history of American policies towards immigration and towards the countries that we are focused and obsessed with now, um, it's really a crisis that we made on purpose so that we could then have people pick our fruit basically for free um, and use the threat of deportation um, as a way to get them to do whatever we told them to do, essentially. It's really eye-opening. If you've read um, Michelle Alexander's The New Jim Crow, the book about how we you know, have criminalized basically uh, the entire African-American community so that uh, we can have uh, a capitalist prison system, um, it, it's, it, it's very eye-opening in that kind of vein. Like it, it, it takes what appears to be on the outside from people who don't who are like lazy thinkers, what appears to be a simple, you know, well, if you don't want to come here illegally, then don't come here illegally kind of thing. Um, and, and puts it in the correct historical context. So you can really understand what's going on and how we got to have the attitudes that we have now, um, as a, as like a government. Um, so that's undocumented how immigration became illegal by Aviva Chomsky. Okay. Question six. I love this question so much. Um, this is from Melissa who says, uh, I've, uh, I'm looking for some books that are like primetime soap operas from the 80s, like Dallas and Dynasty, focusing on family and full of intrigue. So why don't you go ahead? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I couldn't think of a book that's got like the full on, like, I don't know, like hair pulling fights or anything. Like I, I, I did not come up with that. But I do have a book that is focused on family and full of intrigue. And it's The Family Hightower by Brian Slattery. Um, it is about a family with the last name Hightower, as you might expect from the title. Surprise. Um, 
1968, there are two boys born into the family, both named for their grandfather, uh, Peter. And one of them grows up in Africa and ends up being a journalist. And the other one becomes like a minor criminal in Cleveland and then Kiev. Um, And the one who becomes a criminal runs afoul of his associates and disappears. And then the other one gets mistaken for the disappeared Peter and like is being tracked down by the mob. Uh, And so he is trying to like prove that he's not the right Peter, figure out like what is going on? Where is his cousin? Like what on earth? Um, And in the process, you get all of this like complicated family history about like, maybe there's more to this mafia connection than just this one person. And um, like the, the Peter, the journalist Peter's relationship with his parents and like all of these crazy pants, interesting, like multi-layered family secrets, just family secrets everywhere. Um, It's also deeply about capitalism, which is really interesting in the way that, you know, it impacts like people's business and or like legit or otherwise uh lives um and yeah it's just a really like sprawling family saga uh so that is the family hightower by brian francis slattery okay i went with the like dishiest most (laughs) bonkers family drama book i could think of and that was land of love and drowning by tiffany unique which is a family like a multi-generational family saga that takes place from the beginning of the 1900s up until i'm pretty sure the 70s uh on the virgin islands and it opens when the virgin islands are being transferred from danish rule to american rule so like 1915-ish thereabouts um so it opens with that event and in the beginning of the book a really important commercial ship off the coast of um the virgin islands sinks And the main character's father was on that ship. So he leaves behind two sisters who live together and their half-brother who they don't really know about um, because their dad had, like, side families. Uh, And so without a father, uh, they now have to, like, figure out how to make ends meet, deal with their mom, plural, um, and find out about each other or not find out about each other. There's a lot of affairs. There's a lot of, like, incestuous stuff going on. There's also a big dose of magical realism um, a lot of people die. <laughs> There's curses and fa- father-daughter relationships and mother-son relationships and sibling relationships. There's just so much happening. And it's just like drama on drama on drama on drama uh, with some beaches. So, it, I mean, like, it's not uh, Dallas in as much as uh, shoulder pads and hairspray, but... There's that big dose of like, what is these people? What is wrong with them? <laughs> like, why do you keep making the worst possible choice every second of every day? But it's dishy like that. It's very much like reading a soap opera. So that's Land of Love and Drowning by Tiffany Unique. All right. Our last question is from Amy, who says, I recently finished reading North and South by Elizabeth Gaskell, which I loved. It made me realize how fed up I am with reading about the English gentry and aristocracy. I'm also really bored with books set in London and the home counties. I live in a post-industrial town called Chesterfield and want to read about towns like mine and the people that lived in them. I'm looking for relatively unknown classics or historical fiction novels set in towns and cities in the north of England about ordinary working class people. I'm primarily looking for books set in the 18th and 19th centuries um so there's not a lot of that like there's just not Mm -hmm. as far as i could tell um like dickens have you read i mean but that's london i don't know what to tell (laughs) you introduce you (laughs) to i know so okay so instead i'm giving you a more contemporary uh sort of i think it's more of a modern classic honestly um 
David Peace is an author who has written a ton of books about the British working class um, outside of London. And I have read a bunch of them and they're all really good and really different. Um, so it kind of depends on like what is going to be the right hook for you. I don't know how you feel about mysteries because it doesn't say, but he has a series, the Red Riding series, um, the first book of which is 1974. And like fair warning, super violent, horrible crimes in these series. Um, but it, they take place in the 70s in Yorkshire, and it's about a, a guy named Ed who's a crime correspondent, and um, a little girl turns up dead, like horribly mauled. Um, a gypsy camp gets like burned up in a ring of fire, and like everything, there's like crime all over the place. Um, and as a, uh, as a reporter, he starts digging into it and, of course, gets himself in a situation that he should not be in. Um, and everything kind of spirals out from there. Like I said, super violent, very dark, um, but really takes a hard look at these towns and, like, the sort of wasteland that it can become when there's not enough uh, economic opportunity to sustain them. Um, there's also two that are about um, football, like British football, not American football, uh, The Damned United, which was made into a movie um, and is like a really interesting piece. And then Red or Dead, which like if you are prepared for like 700 pages of experimental fiction about the Liverpool Football Club, like I cannot recommend it more. <laughs> But not everybody's prepared for that. So, you know, um, look up the works of David Pease. See what you might find. Um, he is, yeah, he's written a bunch of books. I think he's a really incredible writer. Um, like his his style and prose are really amazing. And he is sort of a contemporary classic on, you know, what what you're looking for. So that that's what I got for you. Sorry. <laughs> okay, so you said you'd read most of the famous English classics, and I, I, I have no concept of like which classic English or Victorian English authors are super super well known, and which ones are outside of like Charles Dickens. So I went with *The Mill on the Floss* by George Eliot. Maybe you know George Eliot and have already read all of the work. Maybe you don't. I don't know because I, I I don't have like a great idea of who knows which Victorian <laughs> authors. Um, so *The Mill on the Floss* takes place on the floss in a mill. Hold your shock. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. The Floss is a River. Doralcote Mill um, is uh, the flower mill that the book centers around. Maggie Tolliver is the main character, her and her brother Tom. And they are the children of the owner of the mill. Um, their father goes through a lot of really difficult lawsuits and like financial setbacks, eventually loses the mill, becomes the mill's manager. Um, so they are a working class family. They're not, gen they're not landed gentry. This is not, you know... Pride and Prejudice. Um, so Maggie and Tom are very close. Uh, it follows their child. It's kind of building through Roman. It follows Maggie from her young childhood up until up into being a young woman. Um, and she just like very desperately wants Tom to approve of her. Like this is the, the thing of her life. Her brother is like her greatest love. She wants his approval and his affection uh, more than anything else. But she's not a quote unquote like good Victorian girl. She's dark haired, dark eyed. She's very smart, witty. Uh, a little bit wild. She's in constant contact with her fam or conflict with her family. She's really smart, um, and she has like complicated relationships with men. Her closest friend is um, the son of like her father's worst enemy. So there's like a lot going on here. Um, she makes some decisions using her head instead of her heart that leads to a lot of tragedy for her family. And I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to talk about the ending because of spoilers, but it's also 200 years old. So I don't know if it counts as a spoiler <laughs> or not, but 
the ending is super dramatic and very controversial. I read it in high school and like, I feel like that was the first time that I can remember throwing a book, like just throwing it. Not even necessarily because I was angry, but more out of like, what? What? <laughs> you know, like I had so many feelings that I didn't know what to do with them. So I just tossed it. Um, I still have my high school copy of Mill on the Floss that I, I underlined and wrote up. Um, and it's much beloved. And I really, really love this book. George Eliot um, and Elizabeth Gaskell both, I think, wrote working class normal people. Um really really well so yeah that's the mill and the floss by george Eliot. i I was also gonna try to recommend mary barton too but that's also by elizabeth gaskell so like if you haven't read that yet do i don't know yeah um (laughs) just read all all of the elizabeth gaskell and george Eliot is the answer uh okay thank you so much for listening to the show um please do leave us a rating and a review on apple podcasts we love to see your feedback and it helps other folks to find the show. Uh, thank you so much to today's sponsors for making Get Booked happen. And you can find us on social. I am on Tumblr. It's jenirl.tumblr.com. And that's Jen with two N's. I'm mostly on Instagram at I'm Amanda Nelson. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.